Chapter 8 I careened like a broken helicopter down half those 30 flights, but I finally snapped my wings open and righted myself. My wings were still heavy and full of crud. Cleaning them off would be job one. After quickly counting heads, all accounted for, I looked back to see the bloodthirsty animals snapping their jaws at us. Several unfortunates got pushed out the window by their eager packmates, and we swerved out of the way as they twisted through the air, baying as they plunged downward. They're more like cryenas now, Gazzy joked wearily, as we headed toward the outer edges of Sydney. I was so dizzy with relief, I didn't even feel the bite marks on my hands, or the feathers missing from my wings, but all of us looked like we'd been put through a blender put on chop. I was especially worried about Aquila. I eyed the bundle form that Iggy carried in a harness and saw red splotches growing on the cloth. Nudge, too, was a bloody mess, and she flew with one hand holding the deeply torn flap of skin in place against her cheek. When we stopped on a hill overlooking the city, we took stock of our injuries. Nudge seemed to be injured the worst, and I ripped the sleeve off my ratty t-shirt. Does it hurt bad? I asked, tying the flannel under her chin. It's fine. She lied, her voice quivering as she bit back the pain. I thought of all the time she'd spent scrapbooking fashion models and tried to make a joke of it. What girl doesn't want more to find cheekbones, am I right? She nodded and forced a weak smile. Zombie chic, I pressed, and she actually giggled. Lame. Very lame, Max. She shook her head and adjusted the bandage, but her eyes were smiling. Does that count as zombie chic? Angel pointed. A silence fell over the flock as we took in the grim scene below us. So that's where all the people were. Our hill overlooked a subdivision. And while we couldn't see inside of any of the houses from our perch, we definitely saw the circular cul-de-sac drives. Or the vague shape of them. I only caught a glimpse of the cracked asphalt here and there, because the cul-de-sacs were littered with skeletons. Humans. Animals. Young. Old. The ash was doing its best to bury them. It had already piled in drifts several feet deep in some places, but you could still see thousands of corpses in a mass grave. Jeezum, I whispered. It was a modern Pompeii. Some of the skeletons were curled in fetal balls, with arm bones circling skulls. Others lay side by side holding hands, or clasping their own hands together. Many looked like they had been crawling away, their jawbones hinged open in a permanent, silent scream. I felt the vomit rise in my throat. What happened to them? I asked helplessly, looking for something, any type of answer that might make this somehow easier to understand. The volcanoes couldn't have erupted until pretty recently, or this whole place would be one big ash pit. But something killed these people long enough ago, so that only bones are left. Gazzy started hacking again, and Nudge lifted a worried eyebrow. Ash inhalation from some other volcano? She suggested. When we'd flown over the open ocean, we'd seen any number of new islands being formed. It was like the earth was splitting in two, and volcanoes were erupting everywhere. The gasman shook his head. What about the aftershocks from wherever that sky fire thing crashed? We've got a lot of quicks in our island, and that's hours from here. Or starvation? Iggy countered. Maybe they didn't have any rats. Everywhere has rats, Angel scoffed. Besides... They've got lots of snakes, rabbits, dogs, deers, cats, even kangaroos. Tons of protein for the taking. Maybe the climate change drove all the animals nuts, and they went on a murderous rampage, Gazzy said. Or someone, or something, more powerful did.
That was probably Nudge's conspiracy theorist mind going into overdrive. But I wasn't ruling anything out. Could have been mass suicide, I said seriously. Stop it. Just stop it, will you? Tuttle snarled suddenly, and I looked at him in surprise. These aren't statistics. They were families. Look at them holding each other. Protecting each other. They died with dignity. Just like... Aquila. Shocked, I looked at the bundled cloth that Iggy had set down carefully when we landed. I hadn't even thought to check on her, though I'd noticed Total licking her face and talking quietly to her. Oh, Aquila, Not you too. Total, no. Gently, Total nudged her nose with his, and I hurried over to kneel by the still, beautiful dog. Her eyes were closed, and I put my hand on her side, praying that I would feel her ribs rising and falling with breath. I didn't. Total, no. I whispered again, unable to think of anything else to say. The rest of the flock crowded around. Nudge and Angel had tears rolling down their cheeks, leaving odd, pale lines where they washed away dirt. A couple of the Kryenas got her good, Total said, his words muffled. In the ash. She breathed too much of it. She sacrificed herself. Miserable excuses for canines. He coughed a bark. Pure courage. Pure grace. That was my Aquila. Weeping, Angel wrapped her arms around Total's scruffy neck, and then he couldn't keep his composure any longer. If you've ever heard a dog cry, you know it's absolutely heartbreaking. A wail that cuts to the rawest emotion and shakes it in its teeth. Total howled for Aquila, but also for Dylan. For the thousands of people below. For the whole world. And by the time he was finished, every one of us was all cried out. Chapter 9 Total chose Aquila's burial site at an abandoned cottage way out in the middle of nowhere. We had no clue if the soil was full of nuclear radiation, or if the air was breeding deadly viruses by the second. But there was no ash cloud in sight right now, and that was good enough for us. The cottage was run down and looked like it hadn't been lived in in years. But we found a shovel and a hoe and a lean-to, and Fang kicked in the front door in the hopes there would be stuff inside we could use. We started digging in the hard, parched earth. From the corner of my eye, I saw Aquila's swaddled form, and something inside me felt like it had split open. You okay? Fang asked. He lifted my hand and ran his thumb over my dirt-caked fingertips. I can take over. His touch felt solid, reassuring, but I just couldn't handle it right now. I just wanted to feel my body working. I wanted to dig. Or scream. I'm good. I stepped back stiffly, and Feng let his hand fall. When the hole was ready, Feng gently placed Aquila in it. Total soft sobs made my heart feel like it was wrapped in barbed wire. But as leader, I knew I had to step up and say a few words. I cleared my throat. Here lives our brave friend Aquila, I said. She deserves better than this unmarked grave, and, to tell you the truth, she deserved better than us. I wish we'd taken better care of her. But even so, she was a true and loyal friend to us, a loving wife to Total, and a fierce fighter under the worst circumstances. I had to clear my throat again. My eyes were burning from the hot, dry dust, and I brushed my sleeve over them. Nudge had started crying and was trying to keep the stinging tears out of her injury, which had barely started to scab over. 
I don't know about heaven or anything, I said gruffly. Though God knows we've seen a thousand kinds of hell. But I know that somewhere, Aquila is running free. The sun on her face and the wind in her fur. And she's got plenty to eat and isn't in pain. That was when I started crying. I barely got out my last words. Goodbye, Aquila. Then I took a handful of gritty dirt and sprinkled it on her cloth. One by one, we each threw a handful of dirt on her, and then Total backed up to the pile of dirt and kicked furiously, filling in the hole faster than we could have with the shovel. Goodbye, my love, my princess, my beautiful bride, he sobbed. Our love will never die. We were all quiet for a couple minutes. I wish we had flowers to put here, said Angel, wiping her face and leaving a smeared streak. Maybe there's something inside we could use as a marker, Fang said, turning to the house. Like a statue or a vase or something. Be right back. He headed inside. We stood in awkward silence until a distant, bone-chilling howl made us all jump and set the gas man off. What else is alive out there? Max? I don't know, okay? I said, suddenly exhausted and frustrated, and so, so sad about Aquila. I don't have all the answers. The world looks like it's been completely obliterated, so whatever possibly survived is going to be pretty yucky. I'm sure rats and cockroaches made it, Iggy muttered. And us, said Angel. Dropping the shovel, I covered my face with my hands. Breathe. Just breathe. This was it. I had finally hit my breaking point. Guys, Fang called from inside the house, oblivious. Nudge, come here. I need you. Aquila won't mind about the stupid fake headstone. Nudge answered miserably. I think you'll all want to see this. Fang stuck his arm out the window, and I stared dumbly at the object he was holding. Somehow, in the middle of this torched wasteland, Fang had found a laptop. Chapter 10 We gawked at Fang like he was holding an extra-large double-cheese stuffed crust pizza. It's a laptop, I said, frowning in disappointment. So what? With no internet, all we can do is play solitaire. We either need actual food or a marker for Aquila's grave. It's a tablet, actually, Fang corrected as we came nearer. It's smaller, see? And it has a touchscreen. I rolled my eyes at his mocking tone. Can we eat it? I flicked the hard casing. Can we use it to fend off the psychohounds? I gestured toward Nudge's bandaged cheek. Let me see that. Nudge took the tablet, turning it over in her hands. I can sense the owner's fingerprints. He was anxious, searching for something. I knew it! Gazzy punched the air victoriously. I knew there were still other people alive out there. It's not just us and the Cryenas. Fang's eyes flicked to mine, challenging. Nudge did have the power to feel leftover energy, but since we didn't know how old the energy was, it didn't necessarily mean anything. And when you've had the kind of epically bad luck I've had, you learn not to get your hopes up. Still, it could mean something. A record of what happened, or a connection to the rest of the world? It means answers. Angel sat on the cracked kitchen counter, swinging her legs. The way she said it, with that weird authority she had, made it seem real. And there was a collective inhale, a quickening pulse, 
a feeling that maybe, possibly, we might just have a shot. I bit my lip and then asked the only question that really mattered. Does it even work? Nitch held down the power button for a few moments, then looked up with a frown, like she'd been betrayed. Nothing. There's no electricity to charge it either, Fang said, flicking a dead light switch. I sighed. Like I said, just another useless piece of junk some poor sap left behind. Seeing some plastic flowers on the table, I grabbed them and turned to head out to Akila's grave. Max, be careful out there, Gazi said. We definitely heard some kind of wild animal. What if we could charge it another way? Iggy called after me. A high-pitched squeal made me cover my ears, and I turned to see him standing in the doorway to the next room, holding up a dusty radio. Where did you get that? Oh, just another piece of useless junk I found lying around. He fidgeted with the dial, but all we heard was the crackle of static. Looks like the antenna shot, but it has a charging panel. Solar-powered. Doesn't that mean you need sun? I squinted out the window doubtfully. The sky was dark with ash. She might still have some juice in her. Iggy shrugged. Worth a shot. Somehow, of course. Iggy found some doohickey thingamabob, fiddled with it, and managed to plug the tablet into the radio. We crudded around. The tiny red light on the power cord blinked on, and we waited. And waited. It's not working, I huffed, tapping the screen. Patience, Max. Total looked away the smudge from my grimy finger. Just give it a minute. But after five minutes, the radio started to hum with the effort, and the light was still red. It's not going to be enough. I started to pace. Then, just as the radio took its last, groaning breath, a welcoming note chirped from the speakers, and our reflections faded as the screen glowed to life. Chapter 11 Nudge's hands hovered over the keyboard, and the rest of the flock huddled around her. What should I look up? Whoa, you actually have internet? Iggy asked. I'm guessing this guy probably hasn't paid his wireless bill in a while. 5G. Nudge wiggled her magnetic fingers. I know it makes no sense, but don't question it. We tried all the major news sites. Over and over, we saw the same thing. A white screen with stark black type that read, Connection to server failed. Then Nudge started trying anything she could think of. We squealed when an actual site popped up, but saw that it was a shopping list for a homemade disaster kit. Yazi found anti-diarrheal medication particularly hilarious, while my stomach growled loudly over such delicacies listed as canned fruit and meats. But no contact with an actual human. No clues. Nudge was trying yet another website. Hey, this one works! She grinned as the login field popped up. Seriously? I smirked at her. The world ends, and you want to check your photogram? Here, I'll give you another like. Shh, Nudge said, swatting at my hand. I just want to see something. She typed hashtag apocalypse into the search field, and the screen lit up with images. Pages and pages of disaster pics taken with cell phone cameras. Most of the scenes were beyond anything we could have imagined. And believe me, we have dark, twisted imaginations. Well, I managed to croak. Because what else could you say about a selfie of a woman clutching a Bible as, behind her, a 200-foot tsunami obliterated Los Angeles? Or a shot of silverfish flopping on marble staircases, 
while the train tunnels in New York's Grand Central Station flooded with water. We saw the city of Tokyo decimated by earthquakes. The president of France speaking to the press, wearing a hazmat suit. A row of houses in Spain buried by a freak blizzard. It was as if the world had been tossed in the air and all the puzzle pieces were jumbled. A sea of blue-masked faces showed us Hong Kong under quarantine. We saw forests burning, buildings burning, people burning. Dead burdens rained from the sky in so many of the pictures, they had their own hashtag. Hashtag crispy critters. This was the end of the planet, chronicled before us. There were hundreds of thousands of images, but the events were so varied, the effects so utterly weird, that everything started to blur together. What happened didn't begin to cover it. It seemed like everything had happened, and more. Hey, we should check the blog. Fang said suddenly. I haven't updated it since we took off on Pierpoint's jet, but it had a ton of followers. Nudge's fingers were already flying across the touchscreen as she nodded. And maybe some of them are still checking in. Chapter 12 After Fang's last post, there were a bunch of comments congratulating us on stopping the Doomsday Cult, entries worrying about Angel because she'd been missing, and a few standard Max's My Idol rants. No biggie. Then we got to the good stuff. The fangirls. I started reading those comments aloud, of course. Welcome to Cali. The water's warm. Love, teeny bikini. I wiggled my eyebrows at Fang. Babet99 says she'll give you a tour of Rome if you want to experience love. Italian style. Ciao, Babet. Fang blushed a deep red. Okay, we get it, Max. Ha ha. And look, Brooklyn Baby likes vampires. I guess your name gave it away, Snaggletooth. Are those the kind of comments you always got? No wonder you used to spend so much time on this thing. I cackled. All of these are from January 8th, Gazzy said. That would have been, wouldn't it? The day before. The laughed out of my throat as we all stared at the glass screen, realizing these might be some of the last words written in the history of the world. Total had been flopped morosely on the floor, but now he said, They don't really seem to do our culture justice, do they? But then again, what words could? Those aren't all of them, Fang pointed. Some of the postings are more recent if you just keep scrolling. Check out the timestamps here. Jump and Joni wrote, Stay strong, bird kids. Six jugs of water with the flock's name on them in Traverse City, Michigan. That one's for March. As Nudge scrolled down, it was clear that Fang's blog had turned into some sort of rogue news site since the event, whatever it was, had happened. The reports were either posted as anonymous or under Friends of Fang, and they came from kids all across the globe, sharing what had happened to them and trying to make sense of some things. And boy, did things not make much sense. Are Europeans checking this board? Since it went dark, can someone verify if all of England incinerated or just London? Thanks for any info. Just London. I stared in stunned silence at those words and let out a choked breath. I don't know what I expected, but I wasn't sure I could handle this. Anybody heard news of W in Denver? Updates Apriche. Fires coming from the west as far as Mississippi are, and flooding still seeping from the east. We're heading north to Ohio. From what we got on the island, I was expecting the flooding. Feng looked up at me, his thick brows knitting together. But what do you think is causing the fires? 
Was it from another natural disaster? More meteors or volcanoes? Or something man-made? Something planned? I shook my head uncertainly. Look at this one. Whole fam got sick. I'm the only one left. Do you think that's the virus my mom told us about? The bioweapon? Nudge clicked the link to see the responses. Make sure you protect yourself. H-Man sweeping populated areas now. Especially West Coast USA. Are H-Man erasers? My mom said they're the same as Doomsday Cult, but I thought the flock got rid of those guys. What? I jumped up and jabbed my finger at the screen, disbelieving. If I have to deal with feral robotic man-wolves among the desolation of civilization, I am seriously going to lose it. We had almost scrolled all the way down to the bottom, and we weren't any closer to the answers. The last comment was made by P.A. Tunnel Rat, and all it said was, We miss you guys. It was from four minutes ago. Did you see that? I jerked forward. I told you. Gazzy's eyes lit up. Quick, nudge, write them back. Fang mod. At PA Tunnel Rat. It's the flock. Are you still there? Ugh, this connection is so slow. Nudge groaned as she hit refresh over and over again. Fang shrugged. Well, the world has ended. Finally, it showed one reply, and we all crowded in closer to read it over Nudge's shoulder. P.A. Tunnel Rat. Oh yeah, flock forever. I knew if anybody could survive, it was you guys. Fang Maud. Where are you? P.A. Tunnel Rat. West Pin, in the mountains. People thought Dad was nuts to buy an underground silo. Sometimes impulse buys work out, I guess. Haha. <laughs> Ask him about erasers. I said. And Krainas, Gazzy added. Oh my god, now it's frozen. Nudge groaned. This always happens. Sorry. Thanks, said dryly. Next time I miraculously find a working computer in the middle of freaking nowhere, I'll try to make it speedier. Thing mod. Tunnel Rat, are there any other people in your area? It finally went through, but Tunnel Rat wasn't responding. We have less than 3% battery left, Nudge said nervously. She fired off another message. Fang Mod, have you heard anything about erasers? P.A. Tunnel Rat. No, but I heard of the remedy. What is the remedy? Nudge typed lightning fast into the white box. But the screen was already fading to gray as the tablet powered down. Hey, and thanks for listening to another episode of Maximum Crime, a Max Murray bootleg audiobook podcast thing. I am your Olive Mark, and we got a couple Spotify Q&A things. The first one was from Camilla, and they said, Max, we're gonna die! A mega tsunami! Fang, I love you, Max. Pensive emoji. Honestly, yeah, no, that was, that was killing me. That was so funny. <laughs> Oh man, they're so ridiculous. I love them so much. They are so 14 years old. I know they're 15, but they're so 14 years old. <laughs> it's a little endearing and incredibly frustrating. <laughs> Thank you, Camilla. The next one was from Emily, who said, The best podcast. Thank you, Emily. It is definitely the best podcast I've made. <laughs> yeah, I still have fun with it, though. Thank you so much. 
The next one was from Axolotl, who said, Merry Christmas. I love the intensity of the new song. And OMG, what happened to Dylan? And how is Akila still alive? Belated Merry Christmas to those who celebrate. Yeah, I like this song too. It's actually been one of my favorites for a while. I just completely forgot about it until uh, Emily mentioned it. And I was like, oh, I actually didn't know the title or who it was by for a really long time. Um, I would just kind of hear it and I go, yeah. I used to listen to a lot of old rock stations, so that's, it just kind of filtered in there, I guess. Uh, to answer your questions, I know what happened to Dylan because I, I didn't read ahead, but I started remembering some stuff. Yeah, we're gonna have to wait and find out about that. And, um, sorry about the part with Akila. Oh man, I, for some reason that completely slipped my mind that that happened. And it completely caught me off guard. And I was actually kind of crying my eyes out while I was reading that part, like, especially at her funeral. Oh, man, that was so rough. Of all the millions of people that have died, um, <laughs> the only one I cried about was the dog. Speaking of which, not crying about that dog. But yeah, we'll, uh, we'll find out some more stuff next time. <laughs> Alright, that's all the Spotify things, so we're going to move on to the recommendation for this week. This week's recommendation is the YouTube video, The Collapse of Sam and Cat, by Quentin Reviews. So, I have recommended Quentin Reviews' videos before, but this one is new. It came out one day ago as I'm recording this, and it's the... I think it's the third video that he's done about Sam and Cat, and this one is nine and a half hours long. <laughs> um, I, I love long form video, like essays and stuff. It's very fun to me. He finishes up the last few episodes of Sam and Cat, and he also kind of goes on a couple different tangents this time, talking about other stuff that the actors were in. And then at the end, he takes about an hour and a half to talk about Jeanette McCurdy's book, I'm Glad My Mom Died, which I also recommended on here. And he doesn't like read from the book or anything, but he kind of delves into it in a really interesting way that I enjoyed. Well, not enjoyed. It was, I was fascinated by it. It's, it's a very sad book. It's an autobiography that Jeanette McCurdy, who played Sam and iCarly and Sam and Cat, it's an autobiography of her life with her mother and it's truly heartbreaking. Um, it is a very good read though. So Quentin kind of goes through and Talks about it, discusses stuff, uh, talks about how that kind of stuff affected her performance on the shows and stuff, especially especially with Sam and Cat, which is why he brought it up in this video. Yeah, I've been working on it for the past day, and it's really interesting. I really like how he does his reviews. He does a lot of uh, plot summary, which I personally enjoy. I know a lot of people don't, um, but I'm not going to watch the stuff he's talking about. I just kind of want to hear a guy talk for a while. <laughs> But yeah, that is The Collapse of Sam and Cat by Quentin Reviews, and I will leave a link in the show notes if you want to go check that out. If you want to get in contact with me, you can email me at MaximumCrimePod at gmail.com or hit me up on my Tumblr over at Maximum-Crime-Pod. And if you want to leave a rating review, that would be super cool of you to do. Alrighty, that's all I gotta say for this time. So, until next time, fly on. <laughs>